you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. This is Alan Griffith. Welcome to episode 82 of By the Book. We have been talking about victory over trial and difficulty, the need to live in victory. Uh, Sometimes we talked about how to get victory. I spent a lot of time in this area because there are too many Christians who don't have victory. Uh, They are going through life feeling sorry for themselves. Uh, They've had hurts in the past. Listen, we've all had hurts. It isn't what you go through. It's how you respond to what you go through that makes the difference. And you might be listening today and saying to me, well, you don't know what I went through, and that's true. I do not. And I don't speak on the basis of the severity of the trial and trouble that we may have had. I am speaking to myself, and I'm speaking to you on the basis of the Word of God, the message of God. I may not understand. I may not have been where you are, but God understands. And it is God who speaks to us. It is God who talks to us and tells us how to get the victory that we need. There's too much going on in life for Christians to be moping around in anger and bitterness, feeling sorry for themselves, mad at other people, quitting on God because people failed them. All that kind of thing is going on, and it needs to stop in your life, in my life, or anybody's life where it is present. Now, I want to move in this episode to James chapter 1, and we're going to see the problems and challenges from a little different perspective than we have seen in the experience of Job or in the teachings of the Apostle Paul. Uh, James was written by James. It's the earliest of the epistles. It was addressed not to a church per se. Paul wrote to many churches. James addresses his letter to believers. They were Jewish believers, and uh, they were scattered uh, throughout uh, the region, and he's writing to try to teach them about the trials and experiences that they go through and how they have to handle them, and what those trials are ultimately all about. So I'm in James chapter 1. Let me read to you just the the first couple of verses as we get underway. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. So he's writing to Jewish believers. His message is for all believers, but his letter was addressed to those particular believers, and they were going through hard times. And so he says in verse 2, my brethren, and then what a challenge this is, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Now that is quite a statement. That is quite a challenge. Uh, We already saw where Paul wrote in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 that God understands. By the way, I'm not sure Paul wrote Hebrews. But in any event, uh, in Hebrews, it talks about the fact 
that God understands that we go through trial and trouble and that it hurts. And it does hurt. James now says, and I'm sure he would agree, he knows it hurts, but he says this to the believers. He says it to you. He says it to me. Count it all joy. It isn't joy, but count it joy. Account it as joy. Now, why would he say that? Why am I supposed to esteem a very, very difficult situation as joy? Well, there's a reason for it, and here's what he says. Do this when you fall into diverse temptations. That term diverse means many colored. The trials and such that you and I go through are uh, of a, a varying variety. Some of them come from people, some from circumstances, some may be sickness within. Some of them are very difficult to bear. Some of them are not so hard to bear. But James says they are diverse. There's all kinds of temptations, and that term means trials, testings. That's a key word. All kinds of testings that you and I go through. And by the way, our emphasis in this episode is the challenge to pass the test. But there's all kinds of difficulties that we go through. But then James makes this statement. There is a reason why, though the experiences of life may not be joyous, we can count them joy. We can count them joy. Why? Verse 3, knowing this. There's some things you and I need to know about life. There's some things you and I need to know about trials and troubles and heartaches. So here's what he says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, we're going to come back and talk about that in a moment, the trying of your faith worketh or produces patience. Now, you know, when things go wrong, those experiences are the trying of our faith. It's a test. You know what tests do for us? Tests tell us where we are. I have plenty of tests going to school. You have plenty of tests going to school. And sometimes I was convinced the teacher gave us a test to make sure that nobody could pass it. But basically, when you take the test and you get your grade back, what does it do? It tells you where you are. You might have thought you were an A student, found out you were a C student. Or you might have thought you were a D student and found out, wow, I'm actually a a B student. Well, when you and I go through a difficult time, it is a test. It is a test that can be brought by God. It is a test that might be allowed by God. Now, God already knows where we are, but sometimes we don't know where we are, and we're going to go through a test that's going to show us where we are. But he says this, the trying or the testing of our faith 
produces patience. Now we need to talk about the word trying. See it in verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith. That term means this, testing with a view toward approval. In fact, you could render that term, the trying of your faith, as the proving of your faith. God doesn't allow tests in our lives to destroy us. He doesn't, as we're going to see in a little while, he doesn't allow tests in our lives with a view toward us failing. If you are in a testing experience right now, you know this, Either God is doing something or God is allowing something, but from the standpoint of God, now Satan might want you to fail. He might try to destroy you, but from the standpoint of God, God is allowing it to happen to prove your faith. In other words, God wants you to pass the test. Now, when you fail the test, You go through a hard times and you don't respond right. You get discouraged. You get defeated. Well, I want to tell you something. That doesn't do one thing for us. There are a lot of people who've been through a lot of hard times. I want to say it kindly. They haven't learned a thing. They haven't learned a thing. They are still at the same level spiritually that they were when the testing first started. And they've come through all these experiences and have learned little or nothing. Well, here's what the verse says. The trying of your faith, the proving, you passing the test when it comes, the trying of your faith worketh or produces patience. What a great word. What a challenging word. Patience comes from two little Greek terms, hupomeno. Hupo means under. Meno means to remain. Patience is when you and I remain under a situation with a view toward learning and growing. Now, I think you're probably the same way I am, and that is when the test comes, I want out. I want out from under. I want to get by it. I want to get over it. I want it to end. But here's what I'm told in the scripture. I'm told that if I remain under, if I go through this test and I pass the test, it produces patience. It produces the ability to remain under without being defeated or destroyed. Now, the term, another term that is used to translate this one is a a great term, and the term is endurance. Endurance. So now hard times come. Well, what's going on here? Well, I am told this, that when the trouble comes, See it as a test, because that's what it is. See that person as part of the test. See that situation as a test. How are you going to handle it? How are you going to respond? 
Are you going to get defeated? Are you going to quit? What are you going to do? Well, if I see it and count it as joy, and the joy is this, this is a test, and I can learn through it. God's not allowing this in my life to destroy me. This is a part of my growth. I can see beyond this experience. I want to do it right. I want to get through it. You know what's going to happen? If I do, I'm going to come through that, and I'm going to come through it with greater endurance for the next time. In other words, it's the growing process. Now, again, unfortunately, there are so many who go through hard times and they don't learn anything. They don't grow. They are no more prepared for the next test than they were for the first test. And when the testing comes, they don't endure. They give up. They quit. They get angry, whatever it might be. But here's what James says. He said, I know this, knowing this, I know this, that when your test comes and you pass the test, you end up with greater endurance, and that way you'll be able to handle the things that come next. Verse 4 says this, let patience have her perfect work. In other words, keep on learning, keep on growing, keep on developing endurance, spiritual endurance. Believe me, it also can include mental endurance. It can include emotional endurance. It might even include physical endurance. But the thing is, what is this test doing to me? Am I growing through it? Am I learning through it? Or is it going to defeat me or destroy me? So James says, let patience have her perfect work, her complete work. Let the endurance continue to develop and deepen. Why? Verse 4 says that you may be perfect, not sinlessly perfect. The term means mature that you can grow, that you can learn, that you can become more of what God wants you to be. And you can be entire. You can be complete as a Christian. You'll become everything God wants you to be. And then it says this, wanting or lacking nothing. There it is. Now, I don't like the tests. I don't like to go through difficult times. You don't either. And I'd like to think that I've had enough tests. I often feel that way. Well, okay, I, you know, I'm, I've been through a bunch and I really don't need any more. But you and I don't know what's coming next. But we do know this. Satan would like to destroy us. God would like us to pass the test. Now, we're going to see more about that as we go on. But look at verse 5. What a wonderful invitation God gives us in verse 5. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, wisdom is a great term. It's a great concept. Wisdom is the ability to see something as it really is. 
And you and I struggle with that. I see things from my perspective. I see things from my point of view. I often look at things based on my emotional experiences or life experiences from the past. And therefore, I often and you often don't see things as they really are. But wisdom gives us the ability to do that. I can look at a situation and I can see just the way it really is. I can see it somewhat as God sees it. And so here's what we're told. If any of you lack wisdom, well, who doesn't? But if you lack wisdom, you can't see things as they are. It says this, let him ask of God. I want to ask you right now, have you asked God for wisdom? Have you asked God, not just wisdom in a given situation, but have you asked God to help you become a wise person? When I think about Solomon, I, I love to put it this way. He was wise enough to ask for wisdom before he had the wisdom. When God asked him, what do you want? The desire of Solomon was a wise and understanding heart, and God gave it to him, so he was viewed as one of the wisest men of his day, perhaps one of the wisest men who ever lived. And people from everywhere came to see Solomon to get answers to their questions and solutions to their problems. Well, you and I may never get to the place where we can solve everybody else's problems, but, you know, we need to get to the place where we have wisdom, we can see things as they are so that we can grow, so that we don't make bad decisions, so that we don't react the wrong way and make things worse. If you've never gotten on your knees and said, Lord, would you please give me wisdom? Would you help me? to be a wise person. That's what I want. I've asked God for that in my life. I beg him for it all the time. And I hope you do that. Here's what it says, and this is wonderful. It says, verse 5 again, <clears throat> if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. He'll give us that wisdom, and he will not upbraid us. He upbraideth not. That means he, he doesn't reproach us or rebuke us. He wants us to have wisdom. And so it goes on in verse 5 and says, and it shall be given him. James says, I'm telling you that if you ask God for wisdom, he will give you wisdom. I don't think there's any greater quality that any of us could have. Wisdom. Wisdom for our own life. Wisdom to be able to be a, a blessing and help to others. But in verse 6, he says this, but let him ask in faith. If you're going to ask God for wisdom, believe he's going to give it to you. Let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of those folks around. And they're, they're like that. They're driven, as it were, uh, 
driven by the wind or they're pushed all over, turned all over, upside down, everything else because they don't have wisdom. Beg God for it. Now, let's jump over to verse 12. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Here's what James says. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Blessed is the man, happy is the man who endures temptation, trial, testing, difficulty. Do we endure it? What does it mean to endure it? It means you pass the test. You don't lose your testimony. You don't throw in the towel. You don't do the wrong thing. By God's grace, you do the right thing. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Now, James is going to take us all the way to the end of life when someday we're going to stand before God, and we all will. And here's what James says for the person who endures the trying times of life. He says, for when he is tried, and that's that same term, not just going through the test, but being tested and approved. You go through the test and you pass the test. When he is tried, when he passes the tests of life, he shall receive the crown of life one of the rewards that God has to give to us, he shall receive the crown of life. Now watch, because this is really interesting. Which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. What does James do? James takes the experience of going through the testing times and passing the test. Remember, it's the trial of our faith our faith in the Lord, our our faith uh, trusting God to, to love us and care for us and, and so on. Our faith is being tested. And so James says, you're blessed when you pass the test because those who pass the test will receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them, listen to it, that love him that love him. You mean how I relate to the tests that I go through in life are related to my love for God? That's what James said. You're going to get the reward for passing the tests because they will be a demonstration of your love for God. Sometimes we don't think of it that way. We think of our tests simply in the in terms of the human experience and what we're going through, and we wonder why did God allow me to go through this and, and so on. And and then James says, Well, listen, how you respond to that test and what you do with that test is in fact a testimony of your love for God. Wow, that's that's a tough one. We'd like to think that we love God and that God knows it and other people know it, and we don't realize that. If I blow it in a testing time, it's actually telling me maybe I don't have the love for God I thought I had. Now look at verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, 
And the idea of that tempting is tempted to do wrong. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Why did God put me in this situation that I would fall and sin? Why did God do that? James says, listen, don't let anybody say when they're tempted, tempted to do wrong, that they're tempted of God, that God put them in that situation with a view toward them sinning. He allowed us in a situation allowing us to have the potential of falling. Well, it says God cannot be tempted with evil, and listen, neither tempteth he any man. God never allows us to get into a situation with a view toward us collapsing and plunging into sin. That's what the devil wants to do. And the devil's involved in these things. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We saw that in Job. The devil wants to destroy you, wants to destroy your testimony, wants to destroy me. And sometimes we look at God and we kind of blame God. Why did God do that? It's the devil who is trying to destroy you. God will never allow you to be in a situation with a view from his perspective, with a view of you falling and failing. Verse 14, every man is tempted. When are you and I tempted in a testing time to sin? Well, verse 14 says, every man is tempted, and the idea they're tempted to sin. When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. When he is drawn away of his own lust. What's that mean? He's drawn away of his own desire. Why did you do that? Well, you know why you did it? You know why I do it? Because we choose to do it. We want to do it. I want to say that. I want to do that. I want to be unkind. I want to react. I want to respond. We're responsible. So think of it this way. Every test that you and I go through, God is allowing it with a view toward us passing the test. The devil's involved with a view toward us destroying us. And ultimately, you and I are the ones who make the choice as to how we are going to respond to the test that we're taking. It's up to us. Verse 15, then when lust hath conceived, here I'm in a testing time, and now I've got these desires to respond the wrong way. When lust hath conceived it, my desire brings forth sin. When I sin, I choose to sin. Might be a lot of pressure on us to sin in a testing time, but when I sin, it's because I choose to sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You and I cannot afford to fail the test. You and I cannot afford to do the wrong thing. Tests are not easy. The testing experiences of life can be extremely 
difficult. But I lay hold of this verse. I claim it. I need it. So do you. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. It's probably a verse that you know. Here's what Paul said. There hath no temptation. Testing is the idea. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. That's a tough one. We often like to think nobody could possibly understand what I've been through. Nobody's been through what I've been through. And then Paul says, listen, what you've been through is common to man. Other people have been exactly where you are. Boy, that's tough. But then he said this, but God is faithful. Who, God, will not suffer you, suffer, old English word, allow, God will not allow you to be tempted, to be tested above that ye are able, but will with the temptation, with the testing, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. How many times have you felt you can't take it anymore? You can't handle it. This isn't right. This isn't fair. I think we all tend to feel that way. And then we're confronted with the faithfulness of God. And God says to you, I will never give you more than you can bear. I will be there for you. I will give you the opportunity to win. You can pass the test. I'll give you my grace. I'll give you my strength. I will never give you more than you can bear. Oh, I've come back to that and said, Lord, this is your promise. You said you would never give me more than than I can bear. I'm laying hold of that. I'm counting on your faithfulness because I cannot make it in my own strength. Wow. Testing. Testing times. I wish they were over. I wish they were over in my life. I wish they were over in your life. They probably aren't. But you know something? You and I have to get victory. You and I have to get victory. And here's the wonderful thing. We serve a faithful God who will give us a pathway to victory. And I always remind myself and I remind you today, that does not mean God's going to change the circumstances. And that's what we want him to do. Lord, I want you to change the circumstances. This has to end. And God says this, I may or may not change the circumstances, but if you'll let me, I'll change you. I will build your endurance. I will build your strength so that you not only pass the test you're in right now, but you'll be able to pass the test that might be coming next. Help, Lord, because we're weak. God bless you. Till next time.